Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, so good to have you along for the ride today. Um, to this hour, we're going to talk about something that may have hit your family right between the eyes. It may be a completely foreign topic to you, but I have to admit that over the past several years, since I had open heart surgery, I mean, technically, for all, we don't talk about it this way, but technically, for all intents and purposes, when you have the kind of open heart surgery that I had, I don't know if this is the way for all patients, but because there was a repair done, um, this may be the same way if you have bypass surgery. I had the aortic uh, valve replaced. I had a bicuspid aortic valve that was in stenosis. Fancy way of saying your bicuspid, your aortic valve is there's mitral valve and aortic valve in there. The aortic valve is the one where the oxygenated blood goes back into the system through the aorta and goes back in your bloodstream. And most everyone, 98% of the population have what's called a tricuspid valve. It looks like a Mercedes-Benz logo or a peace sign and the blood flows through there and all three flaps go up and down like they're supposed to and the blood goes freely. If you have a bicuspid aortic valve, then it looks more like a piggy bank where it's just like a slit right across the top. So you have two flaps, they don't flap as easily and you can do the math and figure your heart has to work 50% harder to get the regular flow of blood out. Now, a lot of people can live with that condition for years. My dad was 85 before it finally started to fail on him and he had to um, uh, have the valve replacement. But he had his three months after I had mine. I was 56. And he, um, well, we both were, I take that back. My dad was 80, no, he was 85 when he had it. It was right after his 85th birthday. Um, and I asked the nurse in my cardiologist's office, well, how come dad got 85 years with his valve and I'm only getting 56? And she looked at me and she said one word and that's stress. For whatever reason, you've been carrying more of a stress load and it kind of calcifies on top of the valve and it keeps it from doing its thing. And oh, by the way, in addition to that, you also have an ascending aortic aneurysm, which means if you look at the the ascending aorta, the descending aorta part is where everybody gets concerned. That's where the plaque builds up. That's where you don't often see it until it's too late. Um, if there's buildup and blockage and the blood doesn't flow through there, that's what we call the widowmaker. This, I had my uh, aneurysm there. My widowmaker part of the descending aorta was perfect. It was clean as a whistle. But moving forward and the, coming back up again, there had been so much pressure punching through when the blood was pumping back into my system that a uh, an aneurysm had developed when it gets to be four or five, what's it five millimeters or something like that it can burst through all three walls of the aorta and if it does it's called an aortic dissection and it can be fatal the chances of survival are only 20 percent but in my case it had gone to between three and four and so they said well look it's too much of a risk with the valve once the new valve comes in, if we don't replace the aneurysm, it'll just pump more blood through. It's going to burst and, you know, we'll waste our time. So I now have a bovine valve in uh, where my aorta is. And so the aortic valve is working fine. And then the uh, ascending aorta part is replaced by a piece of Dacron that's about mm, six or seven inches long. And it's interesting because every time I have the chest scan and every time they do the work, even though my weight has fluctuated up and down right now, it's on the upside. Uh, the doctors will always say the same thing. They'll look at what's going on inside. They'll check my vitals and say, this is perfect. This is exactly the way we want this to work. And so I, I just praise God for that. The surgery went perfectly. I was able to get up and stand up out of surgery within a couple of hours. Um, they tell you to see if you can sit up and get out of the bed and go sit in the chair across the room. And, uh, and I did it. And then they told me, well, typically we say that to you to see if you can sit up. <laughs> and... I said, well, I used to do a lot of squats in the gym, so apparently my muscle memory was pretty good. But I'm grateful for that. The day before my surgery, I was doing some shopping at a local mall, just getting a few things for the, uh, the trip to spend a week in the hospital and for some things I would need when I got back that I wouldn't have the physical strength to go out and get once I went, uh, got home. And I ran into a woman from our church and her husband and Lisa and Ray, great people, um, Lisa had battled cancer several years before. And so she asked me, how are you doing? They, they, they hugged, we prayed. And then Lisa asked me, she said, are you prepared to die? And I thought, what an interesting way of putting that. I said, yeah. 
I mean, I figure they're going to put me under tomorrow at 7 a.m. And I'm either going to wake up surrounded by loved ones or in the arms of Jesus. And that's that's the way I looked at it. My two biggest fears were they said there was a 2% chance a blood clot might get in there where they freeze everything and stop it down. And then when they start it back up again, the clot could potentially cause a stroke. And my other big fear was I talked for a living and I was going to be intubated. Or they take the tube, shove it down your throat and make you, you know, make it so you can breathe. They had to do that because quite frankly, they were going to freeze my heart for 15 to 20 minutes while they literally kind of killed me. Um, stop the heart from beating, which by legal definition is you're dead. And then um, replaced the valve, replaced the ascending aorta part, and then started it back up again. The doctor who did the surgery, Aiden Rainey at uh, Hogue in Newport Beach, had performed 400 of these before. Ten years prior, no one had ever tried a procedure like this. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to be in this situation. But when Lisa, my friend from church, asked me this question, Matter of fact, she and her husband, Ray, was a second marriage for both. Her first husband left her because he thought she was not going to make the surgery. And so she and Ray met and had a daughter, and it was just it was phenomenal uh, to see what they were. But I'm glad she put it that way. I'm glad she didn't say, are you prepared for the outcome? To which. She just said, are you prepared to die? Because since that time, I've experienced tremendous loss in my family with my circle of uh, influence with friends. My kid's mother passed away almost two years ago. I mean, it's just, it's, there's been a lot of loss, a lot of loss involving death, a lot of loss involving the finality of it. And sometimes I, I, I think because we are talking more finally about death and dying, that this new phenomenon that seems to have come out of nowhere has become a big issue even in the church. And that is something called the near-death experience, or NDE. Now, in the outside the church world, where people are into spiritualism and mediums and stuff like that, there seem to be these kind of, you know, half-life, never-life, pre-life, post-life experiences a lot. Uh, watch any reality TV show and someone is going to go talk to some spiritist or something like that and talk about their past lives. I'm putting these all in air quotes. And we'll look at that as Christians and just go, yeah, okay, whatever. But I understand that there are people in the church who've had what we would call a near-death experience and some have seen heaven and some have actually seen hell. Now, before we get all super spiritual about this, let's take a look at what the science says. Um, after finishing his medical degree at the University of London, Dr. Sam Parnia watched as doctors attempted to revive a man after cardiac arrest, and as he stood there, he wondered if the patient could hear the medical stack as, staff as they worked to revive him. And it launched him on a lifelong journey. He and other medical professionals in the UK and the US who started asking questions like, what happens to somebody whose heart stops while they're in the hospital? Very interesting. Uh, a new study on near-death experiences looked at just about 550 or so men and women whose hearts stopped while hospitalized in the U.S. and the U.K. Now, technically, we say this here a lot when we talk about preborn here on the Bottom Line Show, is if when someone's heart stops, we say they are dead, they have expired, their life is over. You just hear my GoPro camera doing that as I was finishing an upload, and it was shutting off. Damar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills, had a heart attack, was literally dead on the field when he was brought back to life because of CPR and God's hand of providence. So what happens when someone's lying there? If you listen to, uh, uh, you listen to people who've had this experience, I was trying to think of uh, the 90 Minutes in Heaven guy. Um, who had that experience where he said, I knew I was dead, I went to go see Jesus, but I could hear people praying over me. In this study, they found that one out of 28 survivors of cardiac arrest um, were interviewed, and 11 of those people, excuse me, out of 28 survivors of cardiac arrest, 11 recalled memories suggesting that they were conscious. Additional cardiac arrest survivors provided self-reports about what they experienced. The reports included perceiving separating from their bodies and meaningful examinations of their lives. Researchers discovered spikes in brain activity up to an hour into CPR. So I guess the question that we as Christians should ask is, 
are near-death experiences real? And if so, how do you measure how real they are? And then the next question would be, why don't we talk more about this in the church? Well, joining me this hour to discuss all three of those very important questions is a man I have a great admiration for. His name is Sean Tabbitt. Sean is an author. He's a book publicist. This is a guy who um, I know, have known for a decade, and he is not a scientist. He and I both did the uh, 30-day faith detox together back in 2016. Uh, I lost about 30 pounds on that process. Sean lost 50. Now, both of us have found most of the weight that we lost through a variety of different events and circumstances. Sean's wife, Lynette, went through a massive uh, brain tumor scare back in August of last year, and um, uh, he and his 10 children are holding the fort while she is trying to keep things together. But I like Sean's position in the near-death experience conversation because it started with an interview with a guy called Randy Kay, who had a, a near-death experience, and all of a sudden people started responding to what Sean and Randy were talking about. And because they were, Sean started delving into it. Here's an everyman. He doesn't have a scientific background. He doesn't have a theology degree. He's just you and me learning about near-death experiences, what people saw, and the role that they play in the life of a Christian. So I've asked Sean to join me today here on the program. We have three different resources. We're going to give you an opportunity to win books that Sean has co-authored with Randy Kay called Real Near-Death Experience Stories, and another one called Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife, and then Randy's own testimony, Revelations from Heaven. All three books are up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away all three books today here on the program. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Sean Tabbitt joins me. We're going to talk about the near-death experience phenomenon. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. What do you mean by the fact that I have a 401k time bomb? Eventually, this thing is going to implode and you're going to have to pay the government. And so one guy was totally shocked when I told him that, look, if you leave this right now, your IRA, to your three sons, each one of them will have to declare it and pay taxes on it immediately over the next 10 years. He says, well, they don't need the money. I said, well, the government doesn't care if they need the money. They're going to pay taxes on it. And that's what I mean by the fact that you're going to pay taxes. I had a guy say, did dad really leave me this? I said, yeah, he did. He didn't even know that they changed the law. Most people don't know that they've changed the law. And so it is a horrible situation, especially when there's ways you can mitigate it and not have it be so bad for the family and have it be better off for you. That's what I mean. We try to take the tick out of the ticking time bomb. Your 401k is a ticking tax time bomb. Leave a legacy for your heirs, not a tax bill. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Well, special guest and a good friend joining me today here on The Bottom Line, uh, Roger Barsh here along with Sean Tabbitt. Uh, Sean is a guy that I've known in the industry for a number of years. He's a writer. He's a speaker. He's a podcast host. He hosts The Sean Tabbitt Show. Uh, you, you've been, Sean, welcome to the Back to the Bottom Line show. It's the first time we get a chance to do video, kind of doing it 21st century style here. This is great. I know. So, I, I, I love I love the upgrade to Zoom video because this is my space. This is everything I use for podcasting on a daily basis. Um Roger, it's always good to see you, man. Glad to be back on the show. And yeah, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah, and it's and that that's saying a lot in this industry because I mean, there's a lot of uh, I've read of too many people who do what we do are now selling real estate or you know doing whatever they're doing. So I mean, the fact that we're still here and having this conversation, and you've been through a lot um, personally, and I, I know I've kept our listeners up to date with what's been happening with you and your wife Lynette and. There I, you know, there I mention this again, and there are 10 children. I mean, this yes. is no small feat. This is, you got the Brady Bunch beat. You kind of lapped them, you know, and went around in terms of that. Uh, kind of, I know this is, you've been getting this a lot, but maybe take 60, 90 seconds, if you would, kind of give us a, a brief overview. What happened seven months ago? It kind of came out of nowhere. And how's Lynette doing today? Yeah, no, happy to share about that. Yeah, we've been on a, a almost a seven month journey now. Uh, back on August 10th of last year, uh, my wife collapsed at home and uh, had a seizure. And so came to find out she has a glioblastoma brain tumor, stage four. Mm. And so we went through a biopsy and a surgery to get it removed and then multiple follow-up surgeries due to infections. And so between the biopsy, which is a minor surgery, and then the four additional surgeries, she effectively had five brain surgeries in like eight mm. weeks or nine weeks. So that was... 
that was crazy. So hospital 60 days last year. And so at this point, we've been back home for goodness, uh, getting close to about two and a half months. We did six weeks of chemo and radiation. We just finished another five-day round of chemo two and a half weeks ago. And so uh, just focusing right now on uh, physical occupational therapy. Uh, my wife does have a lot of limitations in terms of her movement. She's got a, uh, quite a bit of paralysis on her left side, starting to see some level of improvements in her left arm and her left leg, but just cognitively everything you might expect, you know, recovering from a brain tumor, let alone, you know, that many surgeries, hmm. it's just a long road. And so, uh, you know, when you, when you go every, uh, through a period every two weeks, when your surgeon says your wife might die today, you know, to hmm. be seven months out and be, you know, we're still here and God still preserved her and we're still able to live some semblance of a, a so, somewhat normal family life on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I'm super thankful for that, but uh, by all means, we're not out of the woods. I mean, this kind of a, yeah. a diagnosis, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, but for a miracle, six months, a year, two years. And so, um, you know, we, we definitely value every day. We've, we far exceeded what they expected was going to happen. And so we're just, you know, taking it on a, a day-by-day basis, doing everything we can medically, prayerfully, holistically. And so yes. definitely an adventure we never intended to be on. We've been very public. God told us to really keep the story out there and share it. And we just got a lot of interesting feedback from folks who have been impacted by our story. And, you know, the the beauty of it is all we've been crushed and reshaped and molded through the process. And Nobody in our family is the same. Pe- we're not the same people we were six or seven months ago. Okay. And so, okay. you know, there's the tragedy and the beauty in all of it. And so, am I thankful for having to walk through this situation? No. Am I thankful for how God is changing each of us and changing our family and how I know it's impacting others? Yes, I am thankful for that effect. And so, it's kind of a weird fence to ride to some degree. I'll bet. I, I keep thinking of a phrase I heard Larry Crabb use on one of his cancer journeys, where he said it was a horribly wonderful time or a wonderfully horrible time. I mean, take your pick. I mean, there were so many <laughs> good things that came out of it. And yet at the same time, you know, someone's going through chemo, someone's going through surgery, and you guys are are walking this. Well, we have been keeping our listeners abreast of what's going on and have a link up at the bottom line show.com where you can uh, you can show your support, you know, with prayer, uh, financial contribution, as you can imagine, the bills are just huge. And so I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about that because of uh, Lynette's journey and and the role that Sean has played in becoming caregiver as well as breadwinner for a family of 10 children. And uh, everybody's stepping up. It's just a truly admirable brother. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're here still, you know, uh, with a smile on your face and a song in your heart talking about it. Um, let's, you have, we were talking before we started this uh, broadcast and podcast about the fact that when you and I first met, you were a book publishing guy, you were the publicist, you know, for, was it Bethany Baker, something like that? Yep, I mean, you, yep, you, Bethany House and Chosen yeah, Books, yep. All those years ago. And now um, in your new capacity, you've also, as a podcaster, I don't want to say stumbled into, but I think some of the best <laughs> ministries are the ones that kind of kind of show up organically, if you will, even though they have a supernatural component. You and Randy Kay have been doing podcasts on things in the, what they call the NDE category or, or near-death experiences. Talk about how you got into that, because we've got a link for one of your books up at the thebottomlineshow.com. I know our listeners are going to be very interested in. Yeah, it is kind of interesting in terms of being an industry guy. We had uh, a bunch of, you know, what the, I think they termed heaven tourism books kind of in maybe mm-hmm. the late 90s yeah. and into the early 2000s. And then the trend kind of petered out and there was some controversy. So nobody wanted to touch a heaven book for quite some time. I feel like the category was somewhat dormant until John Burke came on the scene with his best-selling book, Imagine Heaven. And, uh, you know, for for whatever reason, I interviewed John Burke a number of years ago. He was like, oh, this is a bestseller. I should have him on. But not having a strong interest in the category, uh, then I worked with Randy Kay on a, a book called Dying to Meet Jesus. So between those two guys, they were really my introduction into the space. And then uh, I actually left Baker Publishing Group before Randy's book launch. And I had, even though I'd moved to a different publisher, I said, hey, you got to come on my podcast so we can talk about Dying to Meet Jesus. And it was that interview that opened the door for us to start a podcast together called Two Christian Dudes. And then uh, we we had intended to go a bunch of different directions, but just the response we got talking to other people who'd had heaven encounters and hell encounters was so strong that we just kept going with it. And there's I, I think there was uh, there's kind of a certain grace that falls when you have somebody like me who, like yourself, has been doing interviews for so many years. You're just really comfortable and you know how to ask people questions. Right. You pair that with a guy who's had his own near-death experience. 
the people, the experiencers, if you will, they were so comfortable and the quality and the depth of what they shared was so different than just uh, what was in an average interview that uh, I feel that's partly why, why people responded. So, uh, but it, so yeah, I blame Randy K. Uh, I, ha- <laughs> I have a, I, I have, I actually have a, uh, some t-shirts I'll be using as merch in the not too distant future that say all my friends have been to heaven, but all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> that, that's the joke that I always make. Cause like everybody I've, you know, all these people I talk to have had all yeah. these crazy experiences and I'm just the guy helping them tell their stories. Oh, I love that. I love that. Sean Tabbitt's with me today here on the bottom line, uh, having a good chuckle about a very serious subject. Uh, his book, stories of heaven and the afterlife, firsthand accounts of real near death experiences is up at the bottomlineshow.com. He's working on another book, but we'll have him back on to talk about that, the closer to release date for that. Um, You mentioned heaven and hell, and I want to delineate. A lot of people, when they hear these stories, they think, okay, well, this is uh, uh, Colton Burpo, you know, right? This is uh, heaven is for real type of thing. And we can kind of put that in that fantasy category. And yet at the same time, people that you are meeting have had near-death experiences where they either did see heaven or they did see hell or possibly a combination of the two. How common is this, Sean? I mean, realize it seems like more and more people are writing books or telling their stories, but is it really that common for someone to have a near-death experience? The statistics really range by where you are in the world, but I've heard as much as one in 10 people have had a near-death experience. Wow. Uh, at this point, some of that is just due to the fact that our medical technology is so much better and well, people are, mm. are not dying uh, mm-hmm. as much. So, you know, we're able to bring people back. So the likelihood of them being able to report on those experiences has gone up significantly. Uh, I think in terms of why you may hear more heaven stories versus hell stories, uh, people are a little more reticent to share the hell stories because Mm -hmm. there there can be judgment or they're having to wrestle with, you know, gosh, why did I go to hell and not to heaven? Yeah. Uh, You know, and so it, or the, those experiences can be a lot more traumatic. And so I I think that that's partly why you don't see as many, Uh, but just practically changes in medical technology. I think that's why uh, you're seeing a lot more. And then the other thing I would say is that culturally people are way more open to these sorts of stories. Yes. I mean, you look at discovery channel, history channel, there's all kinds of paranormal and ghost hunting and all sorts of shows out there and near death experience kind of falls still into that paranormal space. So just culturally, there is an extreme hunger to encounter supernatural stories. I always say we're, we are all created as supernatural beings. And, you know, if you're not following Jesus, you're going to try to find some way to connect into that supernatural. So I think mm-hmm. to some degree that scratches an itch for people. And so, uh, you know, I think now compared to, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, there's, there's more of a comfort level with these sorts of stories. So I, for all those various reasons, I think that's why you're seeing more of these come onto the scene right now. Sean Tabbitt is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, host of The Sean Tabbitt Show, uh, which we'll have a link for up at thebottomlineshow.com and co-author of the book called Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife, Firsthand Accounts of Real Near-Death Experiences. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we to talk about what do we do when we encounter someone? I mean, you're hearing our conversation here. Sean's had conversations with lots of people who've had what we would call an NDE. What do we in the body of Christ make of this when someone in our world says, well, you know, I mean, you're a Christian and hey, I mean, I, I want to share the story with you. What, what are some good ways that we can respond to that opportunity? We'll talk about that with Sean Tabbitt in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Sean Tabbitt is my guest today here on the program. We're talking about near-death experiences and how they have impacted the church. We've got three resources for you to read up on and three different books. So it means we're going to have at least three winners this hour. 
of these books, the books Revelations from Heaven by Randy Kay, the book that he wrote about his near-death experience, and then the book that Sean wrote with Randy called Real Near-Death Experience Stories, and the most recent one, Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife. 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I know this is a topic that's been rather controversial and many uh, good church-going people have avoided it. Maybe it's because they just didn't want to have to keep explaining it. Maybe for some people, it sounds a little new age, but hear me out when I say this. If we are having these experiences in the church, I mean, we're hearing about Muslims in Africa and the Middle East who are coming to faith because of visions and dreams God is giving them. Not that these are near-death experiences per se, but sometimes I think the Western church gets so hung up on the material. You know, our church is growing because we have enough money to build a big building. I have the Bible in my hand, so that's the only way God can speak to me and through me. Uh, I have good health, which means God is blessing me. These are all things, I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have good health, but what happens if you don't have great health? You wind up losing your life, but instead of going immediately into the arms of Jesus or into uh, eternal rest until the Lord resurrects us, you go to heaven and see, remember, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven's a real place and it's happening right now. And you see the things that these people experience. Pastors, there's probably someone in your church who's had an NDE and they don't know how to talk about it because they don't want to scare people. These books will be a huge help. So we're giving away three different books this hour today here on The Bottom Line Show. Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife by Randy Kay and my guest, Sean Tabbitt. Real Near-Death Experience Stories by Randy Kay and my guest, Sean Tabbitt. And then Revelations from Heaven, Randy Kay's story about uh, having a near-death experience. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my fascinating conversation with Sean Tabbitt about near-death experiences is coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Sean Tappet is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and you get to see and hear us have this conversation if you're listening on our uh, terrestrial radio releases or our podcast. And of course, if you're at myhopenow.com, Sean's the very, very handsome guy with the really cool background in the studio. And I'm just here in the boring home studio today with Tamara really likes. And so that's why we're doing that uh, today to have this conversation. Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife, Firsthand Accounts of Real Near-Death Experiences is Sean's most recent book, co-authored with Randy Kay. Uh, We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Sean, before the break, we were talking about the fact that you're kind of an accidental NDE guy, uh, not having the experience yourself, but God has used your platform with the Sean Tabbitt show. And you talk about the show for a little bit, because I know some of our listeners may be familiar with it, but uh, you've been podcasting uh, video and audio for quite some time. Yeah, I've been an audio podcaster, goodness, for about a decade at this point. And when I transitioned over to Norai Media Group, they told me you need to do everything, both audio and video. So I kind of yep. came into the video space, kicking and screaming, just because production wise, <laughs> it is a lot more work. Oh yeah. You got to stay handsome if you're going to be uh, on video all the <laughs> well, time. Well, you don't have a problem with that, brother. You've got that nail. 
But uh, yeah, so I've been podcasting for a long time. The majority of my content is conversations with authors, not unlike uh, a lot of the conversations you have. Yes. And probably 80% of my content is in the Christian space, just because that's the space I do work and earn a living in. And then, you know, the other 20% is just whatever gets me excited, you know, so it could be anything from business, personal development. It's, it's sort of all over the place. That's kind of the the shiny object part of my opening that I say every time I, I mm -hmm. host the show. And so uh, I, I really just love helping people tell their stories in terms of like uh, from an acquisitions perspective and the job I have in the industry, having talked with a thousand plus authors through the years and helping them tell their stories has allowed me to be a much better person to give guidance and feedback for people who are writing books and you know, if they want to know how they can share about them. And so uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a labor of love, as you well know, to, to be doing interviews for this many years. It's a lot of work. Um, yeah. I do it all of myself still. I don't have a producer. Mm -hmm. I do all my own editing and all that. And, uh, I think I might need more help in the coming years to keep uh, up at the level I'm at, but, uh, so yeah, I've, I've worn all the hats and it's, it's literally a, a passion and a labor of love. I, I didn't think I'd be a podcaster all these years later, but it's, it's one of my favorite things. Well, you do such a great job with it. And if you're ever looking for a producer, please lose Tamara's email. Okay. Just, okay, I, okay. I can't, I, I, there's no <laughs> way I could do what I'm doing without her help. And there's only so much of her to go around. Um, stories of heaven in the afterlife. More and more people are talking about this. You see this in TV shows. I mean, you know, I, I, it's one of those things where I'm a lot more aware of it, Sean, because I'll hear people say, so, who aren't Christians will say things like, well, I went to go see a medium or, you know, I, I've had a vision or uh, I believe the universe is talking to me about, you know, people talk about past lives and stuff like that all the time. And I admit that I'm part of that category of people that just kind of dismisses that. But now that you're hearing more and more people, especially people in the church who are saying, I've had this experience, I wonder how many people there are. You mentioned that one out of 10 statistic in our first segment. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's 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 substantial. I mean, that, that certainly gets fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, it really, it is. I mean, take about, but help us understand, okay, there's people that either have that story and they want to share it, or maybe they don't know how to share it, but you know, how do we provide a safe space for someone? I mean, what, what, talk to the person who says, I know somebody in my family who's always talking about this kind of stuff. I really want to give them a fair, a fair hearing. How do I do that? Uh, I, I think, uh, being, first of all, it just starts with being willing to listen and not necessarily being weirded out if something kind of stretches you. Because I'll true. say, you know, the stuff that Randy and I have heard, some of it breaks some theological boundaries. You know, we mm -hmm. all have quite, quite wooden ideas of this gets you to heaven, this gets you to hell. And you start talking to some of these people who've come back and, well, you know, on the one hand, they they deserved being sent into hell with everything they described about the life they were living yet. But for the prayers of their mother, God plucks them out of hell and sends them back and gives them a second chance. Or, you know, people get every opportunity to turn to Jesus, even in their last moments before they kind of, you know, go to the other side of the veil, so to speak. So you definitely get into some stuff where you have to go, well, God, I don't, this is so outside of what I was taught. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, but I, I would say you you just have to have some, some basic boundaries overall, if, uh, you know, by all means, listen, be gracious, be kind. That's, that's what I always want to do. Uh, but I would say, the Bible is kind of our measuring rod. I don't ever want to promote things if I can help it that contradict scripture. Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, not that you can't have a conversation or even do an interview with somebody who goes into some weird directions. Uh, you just have to, you might have to come back around and just qualify to your audience that, well, this, this is very, this is off the beaten path a little bit. And so, uh, you know, certainly we don't want to go against what we read in scripture. You know, it's uh, the content overall. I say you want it to fit within the broad scope of Christian orthodoxy in terms of uh, what somebody's presenting. That's one thing we're always looking for. Um, is it promoting Jesus or like, is it making Jesus bigger or is it making the person bigger? Mm. Uh, a good majority of the the conversations Randy and I have had with people, um, you know, they, they, they just want to tell you how big, bright and beautiful Jesus is and how much he changed their life and how, you know, they were so infused with their, his love when they were in his presence. And so, you know, there, you have a few of these conversations and you start to go, okay, you know, there, there's some things that we should be looking for. Um, the other thing I would say too, is just, you know, once you get more immersed in the space, there's just different kinds of experiences. You know, the kind of umbrella mm. term is near-death experience, but there can be like distressing near-death experiences. And that would be more uh, somebody that has that hell experience versus a heaven experience, or um, what's also called a spiritual transformative experience, an STE, if you will. You know, some people, they didn't clinically die. They weren't super sick or on death's door. 
yet they'll be going often through either an emotionally distressing or a spiritually distressing period. And they will enter into this vision, this encounter where it has all the traditional hallmarks of a near-death experience, yet it had nothing to do with being sick or almost dying. So, hmm. you know, there's a few different categories that I think it's helpful just to have a framework for to process. And I, and I won't get into this here, but you know, if, if you start to read some of the who's who, uh, Raymond Moody and some of the other voices who have been a part of the, you know, speaking into this space for a long time, uh, most of those folks will have a framework of kind of 10, 12 things to expect uh, in a near-death experience. And I think that can be helpful too, just to, on the one hand, to understand, but also as you're trying to talk about these stories, is just kind of understanding how they progress or how things tend to unfold just gives you some better language to be able to talk about these sorts of things. So I'll, you know, can't contradict the Bible, would like to see it, you know, promoting, making Jesus bigger and, and brighter. Uh, but yeah, there, there, there's a whole range of experiences. And there, there are some people who they're, they're, you know, they might pretend they had an experience and want to be interviewed mm -hmm. and, and make a name for themselves. Uh, uh, I know Randy has encountered that way more than I have. Uh, but I'm always trying to find somebody who's written a book and has gone through a vetting process. And so, uh, again, as a book guy, I'm always looking for the person who wrote their story down already and it's been out for a bit. You know, I, I've talked with Sean Tabbitt today here on The Bottom Line, host of The Sean Tabbitt Show and co-author of the book, Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife, First-Hand Accounts of Real Near-Death Experiences, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Sean, I would imagine, I, I, there was one story, I, I think of a young boy who his family kind of concocted a near-death experience and they made money on it, wrote books, et cetera, et cetera, for years until he finally recanted of it. I would imagine, though, that now what you're experiencing, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it it seemed like you know twenty years ago heaven is for real. Well, yeah, Colton Burpo was four. You know this other kid. You know, they 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 were a little. What what did they know, right? I mean, they, how could they process it? But now it seems like it's happening to people of all different walks of life, of all different levels of spiritual maturity, and it does give us an opportunity to, like you said, to kind of vet a little better right. and to uh, dig deeper. Um, talk about well, how what do you say to the person who says, "I think this is me, but I don't know what to do with it." Well, I, I will say in terms of Dr. Jeffrey Long's research, and he's one of those key voices where they he has the near near death experience research foundation. He's surveyed several thousand people who've had these sorts of experiences. Uh, but for the for the person that that's had something like this happen to them, uh, first thing I would say, you got to give it time. Uh, Dr. Long's research has shown it takes about seven years for somebody to fully process everything that they experience. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's just that their senses are overwhelmed uh, while they're on the other side. Uh, a lot of people will talk about how, you know, our words that we have are are not enough to describe what they experience. Or, you know, if, if you have, you know, this number of uh, senses on earth, it's like double that in heaven kind of a thing. You know, everything's dialed up to 11 uh, if you will. And so that's probably the the biggest thing I would want people to know is you need to give it time. You need to let your, your spirit and your brain kind of process. Um, I've had people talk to me about how God doesn't release them to share for so many mm. years. Like they'll feel like be, be, on the one hand, it's such a sacred experience. Like they don't want to taint it by sharing or sometimes right. God will intentionally direct them. They can't share it uh, until a certain time. Um, you know, so besides the time frame it's going to take, I would say, write it out, find somebody you can actually share it with and just work through it and and talk through it. I feel like it's something you have to process over time because uh, you know people are often quite depressed and trying to come up with, well, what do I do with this? How do I process it? Uh, sometimes people end up getting divorced or all kinds mm. of things because their, their personalities changed. Uh, they're wow. not the same people they were. Like Randy Kay, for instance, he was an executive at multiple uh, healthcare related companies. And on the other side of his experience, he just wasn't this driven executive like he used to be. In fact, he he did a lot of corporate training and there's a particular survey they used uh, that one of the things that would rank is kind of how empathetic you were. And after his near-death experience, he did that survey again and he ranked in a completely different quadrant. And uh, Randy's hmm. one of the most loving, empathetic, kindest guys I've ever met. And he would say, well, before his NDE, he was not like that at all. So people's personalities just shift what they care about shifts. So, uh, you know, in terms of somebody trying to process, if you had a, a, a heaven experience, you know, everything I just described is things you have to wrestle with, let alone, you know, wrestling with the trauma of how you entered into the near-death experience, or if you had one of those distressing experiences, the trauma of what you may have encountered if you had a hellish experience. So, uh, 
you know, how do I process? How do I deal with it? That's actually a very complex uh, series of things that'll probably take you years to come to terms with. This is an amazing conversation, and I'm so glad you've joined us today here on The Bottom Line. Sean Tabbitt is my guest, and we're talking about near-death experiences. We have three different resources that we're sharing with you today here on The Bottom Line Show, uh, three different books that are up for grabs, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. More of my conversation with Sean Tabbitt in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Sean Tabbitt is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and his book is called Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife, Firsthand Accounts of Real Near-Death Experiences. It's his second uh, book, uh, such title, and he's got another one coming out this fall, he and Randy, that will literally have over 100 different stories all compiled, and it's going to be a fascinating read. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Uh, Sean, uh, what... A lot we see this happening in the spiritual realm, of course, but we realize there are factors in the natural world that can possibly have an impact on it as well. During the pandemic, which we're just passing the three-year mark of when that was declared, uh, we saw a lot of people going through some mental health challenges, stresses, you know, in their relationships and things of that nature, and heightened awareness of you know suicides attempts among young people, et cetera, et cetera. Did you and Randy notice, either anecdotally or statistically, um, an increase in the number of people who during that same time were also having NDEs? I don't know that we necessarily saw an increase in NDEs per se. Uh, I know Randy interviewed a number of people who had NDEs in the midst of being treated uh, for COVID. I, I would say where we saw an uptick was just in the audience response, uh, mm. because we all had to face our own mortality. None of us were spared from losing loved ones, friends, and, and family, coworkers, that sort of a thing. Uh, we were all having to wrestle with what's on the other side, what happens when I die. And, you know, these are universal questions we're all going to have to answer and wrestle right. with at one time or another. Uh, it was all just condensed into a, a really tiny period of time. And so I think that's why you see an uptick in interest in, you know, whether it's interviews or books, people are searching. They they want to know that something is on that other side when, when I die or I have, I lost my loved one, you know, last year or two or three years ago to COVID, if you will. What do I do with that? Are are they okay? You know, what did they experience when they crossed over? That sort of a thing. And so, uh, just the the trauma of what we were all dealing with, uh, I think, brought an extreme uptick in these sorts of interviews and in conversations. I mean, some of the conversations Randy and I have had have been viewed several million times. And you know, mm. when, it, to, you know, to me that tell it, it, it's not just because it was a great story. You know, it was it, uh, Jim Woodford uh, is the Heaven and Unexpected Journey is his book. That was the one we've seen the most response to. And I can't tell you if it was just the Holy Spirit on it or what it was, but uh, that was the one where we've just gotten millions and millions of responses to. And so, you know, I, I think it just God used it to meet a need in people and uh, you know help to give them hope and encouragement. You know, we, we were talking about uh, the NDEs, and I love throwing that out there. Don't you you mentioned something earlier, a term that I'm going to use and give you full credit for, where you talked about how a lot of the tenets of our faith are wooden, you know, in terms of they're they're immovable, they're impenetrable, you know, and they're, they're never going anywhere. And yet a near-death experience would cause somebody, in some cases, to actually maybe rethink the way they perceive that type of stuff. You just used the term crossing over that I always think of as new age or, you know, something like that. And yet for a Christian man to be able to say that and say, well, now, wait a minute. I mean, let's face it. We are going to pass from this life to the next. Why wouldn't we use a term like that? Do you sense or do you hear from a lot of people outside the church who are kind of looking at what you're doing and saying, hey, I don't care where you're from. I just want to know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there. Uh, I entered into this <clears throat> space really naive, honestly, because I work in the bubble of the Christian publishing space. The people I had initially encountered were Christians who'd had these sorts of encounters, that, you know, whether we interviewed them or, uh, you know, I happened to read their book. Uh, but there's this whole other world that's more secular and new age leaning into this space and huge organizations that do annual conferences around this. And so uh, I hadn't realized uh, how much conversation there was on the other side. Uh, but but I, I would say, you know, God set up the world to operate in a certain way. There's, you know, principles in the natural, principles in the supernatural. And I've found more often than not, if I have a conversation with somebody who, you know, they might not be coming at this space from, you know, like, 
prophetic or Holy Spirit-leaning ministry background, uh, as, as more folks in, in my space would, uh, there might be, they might say, well, I'm a practicing medium and, and this, that, and the other thing. Um, it, it was just interesting. I, I had an interview uh, last year with a gentleman, and I, I gave a disclaimer that he, he comes at this from a very different direction than I do. Um, but it was interesting. In the latter part of the interview, we were able to go back and forth, and I just asked him a lot of honest questions about you know, when he's sensing things in the spirit, so to speak, and different things, you know, what he meant, what did that look like? And by and large, it very much mimicked a lot of what you, if you were talking to somebody from more of a prophetic ministry space, they would give very similar answers. They're just coming at it from uh, different spiritual teams, if you will. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting crossover where sometimes I think, you know, we might be just be using different language to describe some of the same things where you can have somebody who they didn't know Jesus when they had their experience and, and they got saved after the fact and are now part of the church. But when they describe their experience, they might use very new age sounding language because that's the verbiage they had to describe uh, when they had their experience. And so, uh, you know, you can get into the weeds and some weird stuff. I would use the, kind of the same uh, disclaimers before. I don't want it to contradict the Bible or what's, you know, traditional orthodoxy, but um, I don't think we need to be afraid of at least having conversations with people uh, and let let them tell their story to to some degree. But uh, yeah, there's you know there's always going to be controversy just talking about these NDEs, let alone if it's somebody who's coming at it uh, from a different worldview. I mean, it's you know our, the worldview we have, how we process and see the world, that's going to impact affect how we tell these stories. And so uh, you know, I think I think on more of the you know secular leaning side of this uh, new agey, if you will, uh, they're more about telling all the stories that are out there, you know, regardless of whether it's a heaven leaning story or a Jesus leaning story versus, you know, I would say on this other side of the fence, if you will, we're, we're tending to stick to the kind of heaven, hell, sort of Jesus, traditional Christian uh, kind of story, if you will. So if you go to that other side of the fence, though, uh, it kind of goes all over the place. I mean, there's people talking about consciousness and aliens. And so, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you dabble in that other space, just know you can get into the weeds and it's not just kind of hell and heaven stories. It's sort of all over the place. You know, I think about uh, the, the, what's happening in the world right now with all the talk of action of revival. And uh, Lisa and I had a chance to see the Jesus revolution movie and, you know, seeing teenage Greg Laurie experimenting with acid and stuff like that and having those trips and, you know, that, that whole, I think my face is melting off. I think more and more people are, you know, are, are, are opening up to saying, wow, that does happen to people. Sometimes you do it to yourself with a drug trip or sometimes God takes you on this supernatural journey. And I know you had an encounter with a guy who was a, a an experiencer, I think you called him uh, earlier, who actually had a chance to go to Asbury and see what was going on there. I bet that looked like a real trip to him compared to what it looked like to us just watching what was going on. Talk about that if you would. Yes, that that's Randy's and my really good friend, Mike Olson. He has a very unique near-death experience uh, during a, a double lung transplant. Uh, there was an issue and he bled out and he died on, on the operating table. Oh my. And as he transitioned to the other side, one of the things he said to God is I want to meet my organ donor. And so he meets mm. his organ donor in heaven, which is, uh, unique, right? He's the only guy that we've encountered that's had that kind of an experience. Wow. Certainly. Uh, but it turns out that Mike's wife is an alum of Asbury. And I had seen him mention on social media a couple of weeks ago, uh, that he'd gone to Asbury a couple times just to see what's going on with the revival. And he, and he said, heaven is here. And so mm. uh, it, it was just fun to sit down and talk with him and hear about in terms of what he encountered during his near-death experience. He sensed that same level of God moving, just like he'd had in his heaven encounter. He sensed that moving at Asbury while he cool. was there. Uh, and he even had a chance to get up and, and share his testimony with people. And when he came back the second day, the president of Asbury stopped him and just thanked him uh, for sharing his testimony and told Mike how it had impacted some of the students and had been so meaningful to them. And so, uh, you know, again, Mike's a guy who didn't go there with an agenda. He just felt like God told him to show up right. there. Right. And so there he was uh, and just sharing his story. And so, yeah, that one's, uh, we've gotten a lot of awesome feedback on on that one. I think we're almost to 100,000 views on the YouTube Fantastic. for that one right That's now. Great. But but yeah, fun fun to be able to connect NDEs and have any experiences to what God was doing at Asbury the past few weeks. Well, we will make sure we have a link for uh, SeanTabbitt.com and also the Sean Tabbitt Show for the different channels. You're available all over the place, and it's probably easiest just to go to your name, SeanTabbitt.com, and that's where we find you, correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. SeanTabbitt.com or just Google my name. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm the only Sean Tabbitt out there as far as I know. <laughs> that's great. Well, it made it easy to get the uh, URL. That's for sure. Uh, Sean, we've got about 60 seconds left in our time together. We've been talking about stories of heaven and the afterlife and these firsthand accounts of real near death experiences. What has been the most encouraging thing for you over the past five, 10 years as you've been in the media space, the publishing world, and now God has, you know, kind of laid that platform for you and kind of launched you into a ministry that you probably never saw coming. Uh, I think more than anything, what encourages me is that God uses the material we produce to change lives, you know, whether that's yeah. the printed word, an audiobook, an ebook, or podcasts, YouTube videos, whatever it might be, uh, like these make legitimate changes in people's lives. They encounter the Lord, they get saved, their lives go in a completely different trajectory that they never planned on. And so, you know, whether it's publishing or podcasting, that's really the passion that drives me is I know these stories literally change lives, whether it's an NDE or whether it's just having a conversation about uh, a nonfiction Christian book that somebody wrote. God tangibly uses it. He moves and lives are forever changed. So that's that's what drives what I do all these years later. And that I think it'll drive what I do until I go home to heaven someday. Amen. Amen. We'll keep driving and keep taking good care of your lovely wife, Lynette, and those 10 wonderful kids of yours. SeanTabbitt.com is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we'll make it easy for you to find the links for the YouTube channel. You can see the, uh, the videos that we've been talking about and really get a taste for yourself of what these near-death experiences have done for the people, obviously but also for the people who are being influenced by those great stories. Sean Tabbitt, the book is Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife, firsthand accounts of real near-death experiences. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Sean, really great to see you again, my friend. I hope we get to uh, reconvene in May in Orlando at the NRB convention. But till then, God's richest blessings to you and your family. And thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. My pleasure. Wow, what an amazing day today here on The Bottom Line, talking about near-death experiences with my friend and colleague, Sean Tabbitt. We have three different books that are up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of each that we're giving away this hour. Uh, Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife by Randy Kay and Sean Tabbitt. Real Near-Death Experience Stories by Randy Kay and Sean Tabbitt. And then Randy's book, Revelations from Heaven. If you'd like to win any of these books, we've got three to give away. We'll have at least three winners this hour. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. My thanks again to Sean Tabbitt for helping us to understand or get a better understanding of a very difficult topic to understand, and that is the near-death experience in the Christian community. What do we make of more and more Christians who are saying, or people who profess faith in Christ, who literally were legally dead, had a near-death experience, and saw heaven, or in some cases, saw hell? If this has been your experience, we hope this program has been helpful. Drop me a line at roger at thebottomlineshow.com and let me know uh, how we can best serve you in this area. By the way, got a few moments left in our giveaway today. Some powerful books on this topic. Stories of Heaven and the Afterlife by Randy Kay and Sean Tabbitt is their most recent book. We've also got Real Near-Death Experience Stories by Randy and Sean and Randy's book, Revelations from Heaven. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, you can win one of these three books. Uh, so like I said, we'll have at least three winners. And uh, we have other goodies that we're giving away as well. So if you are not fortunate enough to win one of these books, uh, talk to Crystal, talk to Teresa, and I'm sure we could set you up with something else. The near-death experience basically is whatever one of us have in this life until we get to the point where Scripture tells us it is appointed to people once to die and then the judgment. The question is not going to be how cool was your life, how many toys did you wind up with, but what did you do with Jesus Christ? How did you answer to his open response that says, here is eternal life through me? Did you say yes? If you did, that is good news, and that's the bottom line. KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Rabbi Schneider coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Coming up next as the bottom line continues.